loose. Human. Hello and welcome to Sorted. I'm Alex. I'm JD. And this is not a Harry Potter podcast, but instead a podcast about everything else viewed through the lens of Harry Potter. Harry Potter is inherently flawed and sorting even more so, but it's still fun to view characters in this way. Come on, anything. Say anything. Magic schools. <laughs> you, you know how Harry... Speaking of Harry Potter... Uh-huh. Which is a story about a magical school. There you go. How about we sort something else that involves magical schools? Yeah, what if we go to a, a another alternate world hidden behind our own that's full of magic and wonder and mystery and LGBT themes? <laughs> yeah. Instead of turf themes. Yeah. Woo! It's the Owl House. It's the Owl House. A great tragedy of us ending sorted in the next couple months, is that we don't get to see the end of Our House before we sort it, but at least season two has ended now. Yeah, we've at least gotten to the end of season two. This is one that we knew we wanted to sort before oh, the end of our show. We this show's amazing. This show's great. Our House is incredible. It's the spiritual sequel to Gravity Falls. It, yeah. Yeah. And it's standing on the shoulders of the giants of Steven Universe and uh, the Legend of Korra. It's so and... gay. It's so good. <laughs> It's openly gay. It's yeah. not it's not just subtle hints and blushies. They use the word girlfriend repeatedly. And it's not just that. Like there are there's a predominant like non-binary character. Uh-huh. There are like one of the main characters her has two dads. Like it's it's not just like this one thing. It doesn't come up in the show cuz it's kind of a it's a harder thing to bring up because it's like the absence of a thing, but yeah. Lilith is confirmed to be ace. Oh. Uh-huh. Is she really? I didn't know that. I just read that. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> I mean, of course she is. Why wouldn't Dana Terrace put in a, not a, an ace character as well as everything else they're My doing? Heart. Like, yeah. And Luce is bi, and Amity is lesbian specifically, and they have an on-screen kiss. Yeah. And it's the kind of moment where they pay for the fancy animation. Yeah, and it's so pretty. Right. Alex, what is uh, The Owl House? The Owl House is a show about a girl from the human world who Mm. goes through a portal and is in the demon realm? Yeah. The Boiling Isles is the name of this country? They live on a... Which is built on the body of a titan, a a dead giant thing, I guess. Yeah. Is there land that's not dead bodies? I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. And she thinks she's the main character in the anime. She's all ready to be Isekai because she's she's very genre savvy and has watched ev- so many yeah. animes. And she's like, I'm gonna like start an adventure and become a witch. And like, no. Turns out it's horrifying here, and everything's trying to kill you. <laughs> and the money is snails. The money is snails. And also, but also she, she is the main character in the anime, and she does become a witch. Yeah, but like she can't just learn magic. Yeah. Like this, it is. It's a very well developed magic system. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah, it's a, there's a whole system with glyphs, and she has to, like, hack the glyphs, which no one else even knows about, because they have magic sacks inside them, like, their magic for them. Yeah. But then other characters do start using the glyphs in, to supplement their own magic. And it's very good. And, like, it makes for some really cool visual wizard battles. Yeah! Witch you battles, know... whatever. Fuck it, I'm gonna save that for sorting it out, because I didn't have one. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know what it is. <laughs> yeah, and then she goes on adventures, and she... She's adopted by the Owl Lady. Who is a kind of a con artist person who has be- had a portal between wet realms 
for a while to just she just goes and steals human junk and sells it to the people because like we would be obsessed with magic stuff they're obsessed with human stuff because mm -hmm. that's a fun trope yeah 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 classic and because of executive meddling she goes to school yeah but honestly i think that i like the school plot's minor like i was gonna say i'm gonna say like while the idea that it's a show for a younger audience that's one thing. I think the show itself is served by having the school in it. I think it. I think like I enjoy the school stuff that's going on. Oh yeah, on. absolutely. Because the head teacher's a nice teacher. Yeah. That's so rare in fiction. And it's it's uh such it's such a crucial sort of place to, for um like world building. Mm -hmm. Like you get a lot of that through like lesson type stuff. Like there, there's a reason that so many stories still feature teenagers and that that is what enjoy them because like they, they it's a it's a great breeding ground for stories yeah 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 it's it's a great way to just have a bunch of characters in the same place yeah. forced to interact with each other there's also an evil emperor who's trying to kill all the witches spoiler alert that's the end of season two kind of and a bunch of other stuff that i'm sure we will get into as we talk about various characters this show has characters so many name one loose loose nasida yeah is that who we're starting with? I imagine that's who we would start with. The protagonist? The protagonist? Yeah, I thought we'd start with the main character, the one you mentioned in the intro. Yeah. <laughs> nope, we're starting with Albert. Valid. <laughs> Alphabetical, I like it. That's What letter does Albert stand, start with, Alex? Not A. No, it doesn't. What letter does the word owl start with? Not A. A is for owl. Like <laughs> Albert... Ow, Owlbert, Albert. Uh -huh. I literally can't, like, they sound the same coming out of my mouth. <laughs> Albert, Albert. We're starting with Luce and Cedar. Yeah. Luce is a human. She's clearly got ADHD, right? Like, yeah. like she, like, she's spacey. She watches anime. She's genre savage. Like, with stuff we mentioned. But, like... She's a big dork. It's It all, it all plays into it. Like, she, everything she sees, she's enamored by. And she, she loves tropes. And, like, she loves backstories. Yeah. She wants to find out all about... She's very Eda's clever. Backstory. Yeah, oh yeah. Like, she's very good at putting things together and, like, solving puzzles. Although, the one thing I'll say is, it didn't click to her that how was she and Amity reading the same book series until Amity mentioned the author. Yeah. I feel like that maybe the production crew kind of forgot that that was a bit of a plot hole. <laughs> and so they kind of wrote that plot in to wrap that up. Because nothing really came of it. Yeah. Apart well, no, it, it was a story in and of itself and it was a B-plot. Story. Yeah, yeah. But like, it's not like by the end of it they finally meet the author. It was just, oh yeah, the author was a human and stuff fell through, and oh well, we'll move on and try something else. Yeah, and that's fine. But it felt like that whole plot is just there to wrap that sort of loose thread. I imagine that it's something that they had intended to use, like sure. earlier on. Like it's an idea that they had had from yeah. the beginning, but just hadn't found a place to use it yet. So we're just kind of like, we'll throw it in as a B plot in this episode. Maybe if they had time for twenty more adventures. <laughs> Towards the end of season two, Luce mentions that they wish they had time for 20 more adventures because Disney cut season three down to three double-length episodes because fuck Disney, fucking homophobes, and... This, mm. this, this show's too successful and too gay and we can't have it. This is everything you wanted from a third season of Gravity Falls, Disney. Right? Like, that. I was just thinking that. I was like, they wanted more Gravity Falls. Of course they did. They would. They gave Alex Hirsch anything he fucking wanted. Okay, they made him cut the, the old lesbian couple. That's the thing. And they censored out, yeah. That's the thing. I know. They had control over that and it wasn't gay. Yeah. But, like, 
the, the, the episode where Ford comes back, they made that feature length and they got like oh. crazy extra time on the finale stuff and Disney could not give Alex Hirsch enough. They could have given him gay. They could have given him gay. I think that might have done it. But at that point, we hadn't had Legend of Korra. We hadn't had That's Steven true. Universe. We hadn't had She-Ra. We hadn't had Voltron. Does the ending of Gravity Falls predate Legend of Korra? The ending, no. Because it, it ended in 2016. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just... Something like, about like, the way you were listing those Korra was like, wait, what? ended in like 2014 or something? Yeah. It was still fresh. Okay, fair enough. And they probably finished production... They definitely finished production on Gravity Falls like 2015 at the latest. Because the finale aired in like February. Yeah, that's fair. Like they... Yeah. And it was one thing. And it was a... Be- like... It was a stepping stone, but it was a small stepping stone. Yeah. yeah Nothing yeah. was said on screen. They held hands and blushed at each other. That's true. It allowed... A, like, here's a thing I hate on Tumblr. Mm. Mini rant time. So many people say... Th- sh- so many shows, like... Uh, like She-Ra, like Steven Universe, whatever. That they're not good enough. Because, oh, they, they save the representation until just near the end. Or they, they, they carefully work around it so that... That's like all it's we, awkward. We didn't even have that for a long. Well, time. that's the thing because people are forgetting the history. You can't judge it by the standards of now. You can't judge it against a show like Our House, which is able to have these characters on screen and is still getting like sabotaged from the inside because Our House is able to do what it's able to do because those shows came before it. Yeah. You've got like, as as I've seen a lot of posts say, learn your queer history. <laughs> like, freaking like. Well, like, 20 years ago, it was illegal just to be gay in some parts of America. Uh-huh. Never mind. Not, not, we're not doing gay marriage. Just to be gay was illegal in some mm-hmm. places, like Texas. And now we get queer representation in a Disney cartoon. Yeah. Like, you can't compare to what came five, ten years earlier. It's, yeah, we're... I, I know sometimes it doesn't seem like it's enough, but, like, we have made such huge strides. Yeah. Like, I... And the next show will get to go further. Yeah. Oh, also, it's Pride Month. Happy Pride Month. Happy freaking um, Pride Month. <laughs> I forgot to mention that at the top. That's. I mean, part of the reason this is a part, part of why we're doing it right now specifically, but also, it's just good. Watch Owl House. Watch the Owl House. It's so good. Loose. Owl exterminating. <laughs> no, no exterminating owls today. Oh, sorry. We're owl. We're owls. We're Owl Houses. So the plot of the show is Luce goes into this house and it turns into an owl and everyone who enters the house is an owl now. It's only partially true. It's Owl's Moving Castle. Owl's Moving Castle. One of my favourite haunts from Betrayal House on the Hill, Widow's Walk. (laughs) That one wasn't that bad. I mean, it it was... was, Everyone turns into owls and the house moves. Loose, 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 loose. Yeah. So yeah, she wants to be an anime protagonist, and she like works hard, but also she's the happy-go-lucky. She's your favorite kind of character in that she is the kind of protagonist who makes friends with every enemy. She insists on making friends with everyone, and they call it out a few times. She's got a little heart. Of of course, Amity, her future girlfriend, starts out as an enemy. Yeah. For like five minutes. There's one episode where she's just a Draco Malfi expat. Ex- XP? XP. What's, the, what's that short for? I don't know that term. Oh, uh... Sorry for exported character. One, a character from one series who's unambiguously and deliberately based on a character in another older series. Oh, okay. Exported character. So yeah, she is... Amity in, in one, like one episode is pretty much a Draco Malfi ex... 
Drakey Malfoy XP. Draco Malfoy XP. Yeah, but if Draco Malfoy actually changed and was good. Well, that's what I mean. In one episode, that's yeah, what she's yeah, like. Yeah. And then the next episode she's in, she's introduced as like their star pupil and she's so great and whatever. And then immediately starts bonding with Luz in that episode. Yeah. And then spends the rest of the season bonding with Luz. And then they have to address the fact that, oh, right, but also she bullies Luz's other friend. And they... they I mean, they do. Yeah, they get over that. Like, and Luz and Amity... Ugh, sorry. Amity and Willow's development and relationship especially like during the later parts of season two when they're alone mm-hmm. i've really enjoyed those yeah bits. that's really nice like i wish there was a bit more of that again something that i'm sure they wanted more time for but had to trim down yeah but what we do get to see of that is great yeah but yeah she makes friends with everyone yeah apart from philip witterbane who she does originally make friends with yes but because that's she's so trusting yeah but like... he was never trying to actually be her friend no he was, she always, was, but yeah. he wasn't. Um, she's extremely creative. She also makes friends with Hunter. She does. Like, two characters who... In the final part of season two, when a group of them escape, two of the four characters she's with started out as enemies. Yeah. Uh, she believes in the best in people. Yeah. Uh, she's really high energy. She's got a lot of creativity. She is very... I don't know. She's, she's really smart. And she's yeah. good at figuring stuff out. But, like... She like she wants to help everyone and like yeah. she initially wanted to be part you know the protagonist for the sake of being a protagonist and now she just wants to help everyone and be there for everyone. She's extremely determined. Yeah. Between everything she also just gets distracted by a million side quests and subplots. Yeah. Like, and there's like just little little touches like when oh, I love the episode. The episode where Amity's compete wanting to compete in the the brawl fest thing and Luce is spending the whole episode just distract, trying to distract herself from this reminder she's got to spend time with her mother because obviously she can't spend time with her mother. Yeah. And the idea that like, she can't sit still for a, for a few minutes without like her mind wandering and like relatable. <laughs> like. Yeah. Also, that episode is so great because I freaking feel for it for the fact that turns like turns out the reason she doesn't want to talk about what's going on is because it's to do with her father having died and this is normally t- like it's the anniversary of that so she would normally do this like stuff with her mother and she doesn't even really understand herself why she doesn't want to talk about the fact that her dad had died and i relate to that so hard when i when my dad died when i was at school i don't know why but I, like i refused to tell anyone at school i wouldn't let anyone know i didn't want anyone to know at all hmm. i i had a university mentor like a university student come in who mentored me and one other kid i think because of the whole dead dad thing Mm. and i think like he'd accidentally let slip to the other kids that my dad had died and i got i was furious about it i don't remember like much more but like i didn't want them to know and i i don't know what it's i just yeah yeah i don't know what that is exactly but i get it yeah i relate to you loose hogwarts house yeah i think loose is a gryffindor I think it's what she'd want. Well, see, I think it's interesting to say what she would want. I want to come back to that in a moment. Because, like, Owl House has its own sorting system, essentially, with the nine tracks of magic, uh... which become, like, a major plot point. Sure. But when they're introduced, it's just about, like, what branch of magic they're allowed to learn at school. Because you're only allowed to learn one branch of magic. And Luz tries to fight that and say she wants to learn all the branches of magic. And she ends up changing the system so that she can learn all the branches of magic. And other students start learning multiple branches as well. Mostly, I think, like, two or maybe three. But the world has opened up to them. Because, just as an aside, Hexide is a really cool school. I really actually like it. It's They've great. got the whole detention bullshit. <laughs> but, like, the school itself... Oh, 
Principal Bump. We'll talk about Bump later. <laughs> I know you love Principal Bump. He's a great character. He's a great teacher. I appreciate a good teacher in media. So what Luke would want... I guess, I mean, the branches of magic are a little different to Hogwarts houses because Hogwarts houses don't limit what you can learn. But... They it's would, not a a terrible comparison. Um, there's an overlap, but it's not quite the same. Also, I think they make a joke about the idea of a sorting hat. Yeah. Because, um, of course, they do. <laughs> this show does not take a, a, a... This show does not miss an opportunity to mock Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Luce's opinion regarding uh, magic tracks, I feel like, in regards to Hogwarts houses, would be like saying to Hogwarts houses, like, how do I... like? I'm still just a kid. Like, I don't know what I'm going to be. Like, I yeah. could change and become something different. Like, because her thing with, like, the tracks is, like, I don't know what I want to learn yet. Like, yeah. I haven't yeah. I haven't tried these things. I'm an experienced, I'm a kid. So it does kind of have a similar, yeah. like, you can't put, you can't just put people in houses based on their personality at 11 because they're going to grow and change and learn and become different people. Yeah. In the Magic the Gathering set, that's like a magic university, they've mm -hmm. got five schools, although you can take classes from different schools anyway. But also, during your first year there, you're not assigned to any of them, and you get to like try out different classes to find out what yeah. you'd like to do. Yeah. Which, yeah, makes some sense. Yeah. They should at least offer that at Hexide. Um, a lot of colleges do that. Yeah. Like, where, like, you can just sort of enroll as, like, a general student. Yeah. And you take a bunch of classes until you decide what you what you want to major in. Yeah. Like, that's fair, not I, uncommon. I think that might have happened for Luce in th that episode where it came up. And then she was still just like, but I want to learn it all. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Which, another, like, sort of ADHD thing. She doesn't want to do one, just one thing. She yeah. wants to... Yeah. Relatable. That one, so, that one for me is relatable. <laughs> 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 yeah, you want to do everything. I'm gonna learn how to do everything. Luce, um, I think she'd I think she'd be a hat stall. I think she could easily be a four way hat stall. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, like I said, like she she would fit great in any yeah. house. And that's the thing, like the sorting hat would struggle to place her because she would struggle to want to be one place, yeah. and then it would be left to her, and she'd still be like, ah, house of awesome. Um, but yeah, so brave, daring, charged into action intelligent, inquisitive, and wanting to learn and understand everything but about it. But also extremely kind and forgiving, believes in the best in people. And hella ambitious. And hella ambitious! I mean, she's, yeah, she's, she, like, she's everything. Turns out, well-rounded, well-written characters don't fit neatly into boxes. Yeah. Which is one of the points the show makes. Yeah. <laughs> I do... I stand by Gryffindor, though. Yeah. I think... Um, especially in, like, the later episodes that we watched more recently. Mm -hmm. She has, like, such a determination to, like, help people, to protect at her own cost. And I know yeah. we've talked about that sometimes being a Hufflepuff thing, but I think the way that she goes about it is, like, she she is going to rush in. Mm -hmm. She is going to fight the fight to protect her friends because she she would rather she gets hurt than anyone else does. Mm. And I, I think something about her attitude, especially in, like, the, the later part of season two. Yeah. Very Gryffindor. I'm going to say, I, th I think I'm going to overall agree with you, but I'm going to say, I think initially she might have started out a bit more Ravenclaw and wanted oh, to learn yeah, and understand yeah. being no, creative. I agree. And like learn the way she wants to learn the magic and everything and how she approaches that and figures things out. She, yeah, she's very smart. But I think she would still have wanted at that point to be Gryffindor because she's such a genre savvy person who's into it. Yeah. She's like, but that's the house of the heroes and I want to be the protagonist and I want to be the cool one. And she does want to be a hero. She wants to help people. Yeah. And then over time, I think that desire would have faded a little bit to be replaced by the genuine, like, trying to be the hero yeah, overall. Yeah. I think, 
like like Gryffindor is what my my heart says. Yeah. But like it's a Gryffindor Hufflepuff even mm. because a lot of that comes from like a sense of justice. Yeah. Like she sees like what uh, Bellos is doing mm-hmm. and is like, this isn't okay. This isn't right. We have to do something. Why isn't anyone listening? Like. Yeah, yeah. Like really frustrated with like a lack of understanding about the truth, which is like kind of a Hufflepuff sort of thing, and mm. like, um, yeah. But at the same time, she's not always that honest. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, she has a real problem with telling. Sorry. It's okay. She has a real problem with telling people the truth, and that's a another thing. She has a hard time expressing her feelings. Yeah, like I said, and like t- like telling people, like she's worried about what is going to happen as a result of things. Like she's like nervous like if she she can't tell her friends that she's promised her mother she'll go back home because she doesn't want to upset them she and like i said like i said earlier like the whole her father her father's death thing and she doesn't Mm. even understand how to talk about that and like yeah but at the end of the day even though she's scared of what people are going how people are going to react she overcomes that she does the right thing yeah she overcomes her fears and tells people what's going on yeah uh, I, I I think that yeah, even her own anxieties, she's she's very brave in regards to. Yeah, I think I I do I do just love the Ravenclaw almost leaning Slytherin in its ambition side of how she wants to learn magic and how oh, she absolutely. does figure it out. I just I just really enjoy that and it, but like I think you've brought me round on Gryffindor. Yeah, uh, you could absolutely put her in any house. Yeah. I just, I, I personally think Gryffindor is the strongest. Like her school uniform straight up has all four colors it on does. it. It feel, it kind of feels like an insult to sort her, really. But it, yeah, like if we put a gun to her head or a wand or whatever magic <laughs> circles, they use circles in the show a lot. Yeah, put a magic death circle to her head like that one guard was gonna do. <laughs> put him out of his misery. Put him to sleep. <laughs> to sleep. Oh, right, right, right. right. <laughs> yeah, do that, and I guess we'll say Gryffindor, but I really, like, I think a big part of the whole point of this show, is in its she, contrast to Harry Potter, is that... She, she doesn't fall into one category. Yeah. Also, she's a complex person. Yeah, also she's bi. Like, she can't <laughs> fucking choose anything. She can't choose... <laughs> which is the indecisive house? Which, which house is the most indecisive? Has Harry Potter ever decided one thing in his life? Nah, girlfriend, right. <laughs> he just has stuff thrown at him and he just deals with it as it comes. Uh, if you have a strong, compelling argument for like any of the other houses, you think that we're wrong and that the most relevant house is a different one, please tweet at us or send us an email. I would love to read your character analysis essays yeah. on what house Luce is truly in. Also, for what it's worth, I guarantee you are 100% you are correct. Wh- like, that's because why, yeah. you can't, uh, like, there's no house that is incorrect to argue for her. And that's why I'm specifically, like, asking for people's takes on this, because yeah. you're, you're absolutely going to be right, no matter what you say. And I agree with you, even though that's not what we've officially decided. Like, they make a point that her school uniform, where they, where all the characters, all the kids at school show off their colours for their tracks, she has explicitly four not nine or whatever she's because she's got one for each limb she's wearing four colors yeah calling hogwarts out yeah it's very good so while lucy's the main character and i think she's therefore like the most developed i think a lot while the other characters are still well developed they're gonna mm. be a bit easier to sort i think yeah yeah so let's talk about Eda clawthorn did I also mention that I, I love Luce with my entire heart? She's a great character. She's just <laughs> phenomenal. She's wonderful. I don't know if I had mentioned that, but it feels important. It's very good. 
Who's next, Ida? Ida Clawthorne. Yeah. The Owl Lady. The Owl Lady. Of the Owl House. We're Owl Ladies. <laughs> We're Owl Beasts. That voice almost sounds like Hootie. <laughs> We're Owl House. <laughs> Hootie <laughs> is Owl House. <laughs> I'm an Owl House. Hoot hoot. It's a pretty good Hootie. <laughs> I, is Hootie just... Go on. Is Hootie Alex Hirsch doing a bad Mickey Mouse impression? Probably. <laughs> anyway, Ida. Ida is... Yeah, so... Why is she who why is she the owl lady, Alex? Is it because her house is filled with owl stuff like Luce first thinks? It's cause she's cursed? She cursed? I don't remember how she got her curse. Oh, Lilith gave it to her. Right. Lilith was jealous of her as a teenager or something. Yeah, like because they I were child they were best friends as twins as childhood sisters and they grew uh, up and yeah. something was going on and Lilith cursed her for reasons. It was a it's been a while since I've seen that episode. Yeah. Like I don't remember the It's been a while since we've context. seen season one. Yeah. I might have to rewatch this show. It's so good. Once it's finished, yeah, let's do a rewatch. Yeah, that'd be good. It's a good show. It is good. I could see this being a show that I would rewatch, like I rewatch Gravity Falls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be able to mentioned it's very similar vibes. Seeing the whole story from start to finish eventually yeah. will be pretty sweet. Anyway, um, she's got a curse that turns her into an owl beast. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Like, it's not particularly the beast isn't particularly owl-like. Is the thing? It's kind of like an owl bear. I guess. It's got kind of like an owl-like face, and then Ish. it's got like four legs and wings. I'm not even sure that the face is particularly owl-like. Eh. Don't what? worry about it. She's, an, she's got feathers. Did she have Albert before Yes. That, the curse? Okay. Yes, because she mentioned that she carved it with her dad. Yeah, but she stayed with her family for a while after she was cursed, remember? Because she injured... The reason her dad no longer makes palismans is because she, she injured him, him as the owl beast. I'm I'm still pretty sure that she would have had Albert. Probably, then. probably, but I'm not certain where, given that I don't know timeline. exactly what the timeline is. Yeah, yeah. but so, yeah, she's she's just got owl vibes. I so Ida is essentially a con artist. She's she's a wild witch. She's a wild witch. She didn't choose a track. She doesn't yeah. have a sigil. That, she's outside the system. Because you get a sigil for whatever track you choose. Yeah, which that like forces you to only be able to cast spells in one particular track. It like cuts you off from other types of magic. Yeah. So you can only do one. And also it allows you to be picked out by the day of unity curse blah 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's the big plot, but the the more the the thing that comes up more rather than the big finale twist. Yeah. Um it just like limits your abilities as a magic user, which most people are fine with because then they don't have to worry about quite so much. Well, it, it's not so much that, is that Bellows is like brainwash people yeah, into yeah. a cult essentially to believe wild magic and using more than one branch of magic is inherently bad and the titan that only he can speak to mm. oh yeah. it's so culty the oh, titan yeah, only yeah. he can speak to says that they have to do it this way so they're like oh yes this will make the titan happy yeah no they think that it's dangerous they've been misled via pop- propaganda yeah and... for cent- for not centuries but for decades yeah um so like yeah they just they don't no one else really questions it, but there's a, there's a, there's a few people who are like, nope, yeah, not gonna, not gonna do that. Most importantly, Ida, especially Ida. Uh, this makes you kind of a wanted criminal. Yeah, an outlaw. Um, there are some people who are designated that they are allowed to use all of the magic tracks. The the Emperor's Coven. The Emperor's Coven, like the the select few, mm-hmm. um, who are deemed worthy. 
Because of reasons. For reasons that, I don't know, the Titans said it was okay if some people did, I guess. <laughs> That's nonsense. Yeah. I feel like the whole idea of the Emperor's Coven kind of, like, gets, like, set aside during the p- season two. Yeah. Like, the pu- like... Aside from, like, Hunter trying to get people to join it and stuff. Yeah, but it's a little odd. odd. Yeah. So, like, that's why, uh... Sisters... Lilith. Lulu. <laughs> Lilith, yeah. Like, Lil- Lilith was part of the Emperor's Coven, so she can still use all branches of magic. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not anymore. <laughs> we'll get to that, I guess, when we talk about Lilith. And Dita. I guess, it. yeah, we are talking about Dita. Yeah. That's fine. They split the curse, and now they're both cursed. <laughs> Let's start with the beginning. So... <laughs> The beginning was that she's cursed. Well, yeah, but there's more to her than just that she's a cursed owl beast. And she's an outlaw. Yes, and somehow, it's not. Re- I don't think we're ever told how, somehow she gained access to a key that allows her to access the human realm, and so she makes her money, essentially, by going to the human realm, get, finding random junk, and then taking it back to sell to people, because they're like, oh, mysterious trinkets from another world. We definitely talked about this at one point. How does she, de- how does she take loose it? Like, why did she end up actually taking Luce in? Luce is like, oh, you're so cool, I want to learn magic from you. I don't remember. I f- it's been a while since we watched season one. Like, yeah, spe- spe- like especially the, the beginning. The beginning? I think it's something like, because she's human and... I don't remember. But she's she's very much a loner and an outsider at first. And she's got King with her, because... But she's like, she's very much... She's very much... She's a very cliquey kind of person. She keeps her own close... A very, you know, she's Slytherin in that sense for sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah. She doesn't open up much. She, at, at first. Yeah. She's very. Uh, Withdrawn. Yeah. Yeah. But then Lou starts bringing all of her friends over and uh, more and more people, and eventually the Owl House just becomes an open house for anyone to come. Yeah. She's the show's Grunkle Stan. She is. Yes. She starts off kind of curmudgeonly. Yeah. Um, and then slowly opens up and becomes everyone's mom. <laughs> Slash aunt. Slash aunt, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, explicitly up, King's mother. Yeah. She, <laughs> King is, as far as she's concerned, her son. Yep. And Luce, she, she calls Luce her kid, too. Yeah. She's like, that's my child. Yeah. <laughs> but Luce, like, actually has a parent. Yeah, yeah. I, de- I, definitely, I definitely remember early in the show's life, at least, people were shipping Camilla and Ida <laughs> purely so, just to get Luce's two moms together. Give Luce two moms. <laughs> I mean, she has two moms. She does. They're, they're just not necessarily in a relationship. Yeah. Or on the same plane of existence. That's okay. A family can be two moms on different planes and their <laughs> bisexual daughter who jumps between them. Uh, also, Ida has a love interest. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't leave Rain out. Rain's gonna be your parent? Non-binary parent. You were about to say dad. I was going to say uncle for some reason. <laughs> They've got uncle vibes. And I don't mean that in a gendered way. So during season one, Ida's got the, with the curse, Ida takes these potions to maintain it. And like a very Hulk-like relationship. Mm. And kind of like the Hulk in like the later MCU stuff and probably the comics, I don't know. She eventually like learns to reason with the owl beast inside her and form a... Some kind of agreement, like yeah. a bond. And then she's able to call on it... For herself to fight, which is convenient because at the end of season one, she loses her magic. She and Lilith share the curse, and somehow that drains their magic. I forget exactly how. I forget. But they don't have magic now, but they yeah. do both have a slightly smaller curse. Yeah. And we, Lilith hasn't started to affect her badly yet because it's still new to her, and Ida's. She's now in control of it, relatively. Yeah. 
So now she can turn into, it's not the full owl beast, but yeah. she turns into like a harpy version of herself. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's very cool. She gains control of it in a pretty great episode that's about Hootie. <laughs> you just love Hootie. Hootie's great. <laughs> hey, turns out I enjoy Alex Hirsch doing Alex Hirsch things. Who knew? <laughs> I I agree, but not so much for Hootie. Definitely for King. <laughs> Hootie's fucking hilarious and I love him. We'll talk about him later. Ida, is she a Slytherin? so like there's definitely a lot of slytherin to her um she's sneaky she's cunning she she is cunning she's sly uh she doesn't care much for rules she keeps her own close yeah um and even like as a child she was she was greatly ambitious like she yep. she was she wanted to learn all of the magic she was yeah. good at it yeah um like she, and she like she had one like she cared about her family and like she wasn't antagonistic towards others inherently, but she no, wasn't like she was a bit of a troublemaker. Yeah, she wasn't concerned about others particularly. Um, my, she also has a fun friendship with Bump. Yeah, I could say that you might be able to make an argument for Ravenclaw because she, um, especially when she was younger, was very no, because she she in, intelligent really, but not studious. Yeah, intelligent but not like she doesn't really care that much about knowing things. Yeah. Yeah. No. She she cares she's, about she's, she cares about knowing things that will help her. Yeah, she that's that's Slytherin. Yeah. she's a Slytherin. I think I think she's a pl- pretty clear cut Slytherin. Yeah, and there's other aspects to her, of course, but yeah. Um, she's like a less like a not very stereotypical Slytherin. Mm. I think um because she's a little bit more of like a free spirit rather than like sure the authority ass kisser. Yeah, <laughs> you know. A um, little bit more of like she I'm do- gonna do my yeah. own thing my own way. She does just still very Slytherin. She doesn't think that like the authority will help her advance in any way. Yeah, and also she just disagrees with them in- on principle. Yeah, I feel like uh, most of the Slytherins that we see are like authoritarian. Yeah, hmm. and she's very much not. Oh yeah, let's talk about King. King, short for King of Demons. <laughs> you know he's king because he is a Burger King crown. <laughs> I love him. King is great. King is Alex Hirsch doing an Alex Hirsch thing. It's, it's basically just, Bill Cipher's voice. Cipher's voice again. But what if Bill Cipher was like your pet dog? Or your, no, your cat. It's your cat because yeah. your cat who wants love and attention but also wants to rule the world. Yeah, I love him. He very quickly accepts Luce as his sister and openly refers to her as such plenty. He like he loves Ida and Luce. And like warms up to the friend like the friend group pretty mm-hmm. quickly as well. Yeah. Very much has a rivalry with Hootie, which is probably mostly just because it's fun to get Alex Hirsch to fight with himself. <laughs> yeah. During season two in particular, he gets a subplot about trying to find out about his family and where he's come from. He has like like one sort of vague memory from infancy. Yeah. He knows that he has a dad. He's got this medallion as well that he knows is from his family uh-huh. and he ends up starting to get letters that he believes, or he gets a letter I think that he believes is from his father. I forget if he gets that before Hootie sticks it up or if he gets any contact. No. He had like, mm. he had put out like, he was he was actively searching. I can't remember, was someone like a video maybe? I don't know. He like put out somewhere like Right. I'm looking for my dad. Um, and that's why the, the that warrior clan right. found him. They were like, oh, hey, you're clearly one of us. Yeah. He's not one of them. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> so there's this whole thing where they, they eventually find this warrior clan who of, what do they call themselves? Uh, Tit- is it just Titan Slayer? Titan Trappers. Titan Trappers who supposedly fought and like like held off 
the Titans in times of yore. Yeah. Uh, including the the Titan that forms the landmass on which they live. Uh, and supposedly there is only one Titan left alive somewhere out there. Turns out it's King. He's yeah. a Titan baby. There is one Titan left and it's... A baby. Yeah. And they know that it's that he's going to be young. Yeah. He, and they, they don't know how... Those kids out there have never heard the terrifying cry of a Titan. It sounds like... Eh. <laughs> it sounds like Alex Hirsch making a dumb noise. <laughs> I'm trying to get it right. I can't quite. King is a little bit egocentric. Oh, yeah. He loves himself and he wants to put himself up like up high, but he also cares about those close to him. Is he another Slytherin? Maybe. There is, like, once he finds out he's a, a titan and, like, some people start treating him differently, he does not like that. He's yeah, kind that's of like, true. He's kind that's of a like, good point. He's like, oh, actually, like, I don't know if I want to be... I hadn't put the treatment he gets at the end of season two in the context of how early on he wanted to be treated he like a king. He literally says, like, I used to want... To, to be like a rule like a feared ruler and I don't yeah I don't think I want to be feared anymore I just didn't put that quite in that context I guess but yeah, yeah very much um, he just wants to hang out with Steve <laughs> yeah and he wants to protect his family and you know he doesn't want them to be separated mm-hmm Slytherin's still probably right yeah potentially leaning like Hufflepuff I think yeah like compared to either who's more like who is like Slytherin leaning Ravenclaw yeah yeah definitely more yeah yeah he loves those close to him and he wants to keep them close yeah and he's he's pretty he's selfish i mean he's selfish in the way that like children are he is he is a child you know he wants fame and glory for his accomplishments and achievements not for just the sake of being him like there's the episode where he and Luz try to write a book together or something and he like he's taking sole credit and he loves that for a while until arises he's put loose out so he wants he wants the fame and recognition he just doesn't want people to bow to him and be like, you are a mighty titan. It's like, yeah, but also, look what I can do. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. I think if people were were doing that for something that he actively accomplished. Yeah, and if yeah. people were letting him help because he wants to help the people he cares about. But instead, they just sort of keep putting him aside. Like, you stay here, stay safe. You stay safe. Because like, he's, he's, he's little. Yeah, he's but, a kid. But also, he can do a banshee scream. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, they don't necessarily give him a chance to help when yeah. he could. But the same is true of, like, Luce. Yeah. Like, Ida's constantly, like, Luce, stay here, stay safe. Yeah. It's more, yeah. yeah. And she does the same for King. Um, it kind of varies. It, it kind of alternates which one it is, depending on who's the f- f- focus of that current plot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I Him and Luce are often put in very similar situations. Yeah. Uh, weirdly enough. Yeah. I mean, they've got, yeah. But yeah, I, I think Slytherin's still right. Mm-hmm. So those three are like the the three main ones. They're the ones who are like in almost every episode. But there are other characters who are like basically main characters. And we'll talk about them. Yeah. Let's talk about Willow. Willow. AKA you. Me. <laughs> Chubby plant girl with glasses. <laughs> Is that me? Who becomes badass? <laughs> that me. <laughs> Willow. This is for me. <laughs> Willow is Lu- Willow becomes Lucy's first friend in the Boiling Isles, at least of her own age. Yes. Uh, she sees her initially getting bullied by another girl a lot. Uh, 
and she's she's kind of a nobody at school. She's 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 the weirdo. She's the outsider. She's the she's not very good at the magic from the track that she's in. Yeah, right. Because she's in the um, abomination, the abomination track. track. Yeah, and she's just not. That's not her skill set. Yeah, and so she gets sort of bullied for not being. Yeah good at that. And she and Luz have a whole thing and then she ends up switching to plants and she's really good at plants and like later on particularly in season 2 she gets hella buff with plants yeah! and just becomes an awesome plant fighter. Yeah! And I love her. Yeah. She starts out as me and then becomes what I want to be. She's she's good at welcoming people in. And yes. Be, like, she's be, very friendly. Yeah. And very like, open. Yeah. Because she knows what it's like to be like, bullied and outsider. Yeah, yeah. To, to be that person. So she's always giving people the benefit of the doubt. Um, she like we see a flashback where her and Gus meet, and mm-hmm. like her first instinct is like, "You are clearly you clearly need help. Let me like here's like a breathing technique. Yeah, like, here's some genuine the, therapy. <laughs> like I am going to help you. Yeah. Um, and then uh, she does like. She does similar stuff with Hunter too. Where mm-hmm. she, it, she's got like an episode where her and Hunter like start a sports team, flying derby. Yeah, and at the end, like when they all sort of realize, like, oh no, you work for the Emperor's Covenant or whatever. Um, she's like, she's leading the team and like still welcoming him. Yeah, they, like I, she's. They just they they're still friends on social media after yeah. that. Yeah, which is a thing that you can do in a cartoon now. Yeah, is oh you're a bad guy. But Facebook? Well, because she knows that he's not really bad. Yeah. She understands that he's got more going on than that. There's also the part in, earlier in the episode, though, when she initially wants him to join the team and, like, promises him the best and brightest, and he looks at the people recruited and is like, yeah, no, these these guys suck. But then quickly realizes, oh, wait, no, that was a bad first impression. Turns out they're great. And she's like, yeah, we're all here because we've all, all at one time or another been misjudged. Know the feeling? Because he does, and yeah. she knows that, and she, oh, she's just very good at, like... But she forgives him and welcomes him in. Yeah. And, like, teaches him not to judge a book by its cover. Yeah. And... I mean, like, even, like, at the end of that episode where, like, he goes back to, like, the castle or wherever it is that the, the Emperor is. Yeah. Um, she's like, well, we better... we. I guess we'll have to find someone else for the team because it's so many days until his next day off. Yeah. Like, she still considers him part of the team after all that they've been through. Yeah, like, I mean, that... We'll talk about it with Hunter, but that's like a big major, like a major stepping point in his yeah, redemption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Willow's so good. We should briefly talk about Willow's, Willow's history with Amity. Mm. They were childhood friends, and for some reason that Willow doesn't know, one day Amity just like started shying away from her and joined the cool kid clique. You know, the group, the group of bullies, the mean girls. Yeah, and which we know was because of pressure from Amity's parents. Well, we learned that later. Yeah. We didn't know that at first. Yeah. Eventually, after Amity and Luz become friends, then we get the whole backstory because, like, wait a minute, we had never really resolved the whole Willow and Amity thing, mm. which is kind of a big iffy part in regards to Luz and Amity being anything. And, like, so they get an episode where, like, Willow begins to understand, and I don't. She doesn't in, instantly just forgive Amity. Like she's no. she's willing to forgive, but she's not like okay, this doesn't make up for what you've done. But I'm willing to open myself up to you and try to be friends again and if they, you are. They gradually. Yeah, get and it is quite again. gradual. Like there's a couple episodes then in season one where they interact, like the the Grudgeby episode. Yeah. And like they they mostly work together to support Luce, and because yeah. like they have a mutual friend. But then they're able to rekindle their friendship and they get a couple of moments here. There's the one moment in season two where Amity goes to Willow for help regarding Luce. Yeah. And then <laughs> Willow's just like, I'll help you, but you've got to do something for me, Blight. 
Do you remember how to braid hair? Yes. Which is like, that's sweet. Yeah. That's nice. There's a whole episode where it's just uh, Willow and Amity doing some stuff together and the whole time Amity is still has this like notion in her head of of who Willow used to be mm. as the the girl she bullied for not being good at magic. Yeah. And even when they were friends wasn't as good at magic because yeah. like she was still that's what she was doing then. Yeah. Like Willow is really good at what she does now. Yeah. She is very powerful. She is so strong. Also physically strong. She's been working out, yeah, I guess. She's buff now. Like she's, she's actually physically she's buff. She's changed and grown so much and Amity missed a lot of that. And yeah. so they spend the whole episode of like her trying to prove to Amity yeah. or like have her see who she is now. But and it's like it's presented in a really good way. It's not that Amity like is trying to like belittle Willow or think she's bad. It's that she's trying to protect Amity. She's, she's trying to keep her safe she's, because she doesn't realize I'm goofing on names so bad at all. Yeah. <laughs> she's trying to keep her safe because she doesn't realize yeah. how strong she's become. And because she wants to protect this friend that she's just regained because she values her as a friend. Yeah. And she wants to keep her safe. She doesn't want anything to happen to her. And she doesn't know yeah, she doesn't know that Willow can look after herself. Yeah. And, and everyone else. Until Willow's like, I got this <laughs> I am stronger than everyone else here. It's cool. Except maybe Amity. They're on like a similar power they're level. They're on a similar level, yeah. Well, and Gus is a whole other thing. Yes. Which we'll talk about Gus. Different, different category of skill, Power, yeah. I think. Yeah. It's not like a physical... Yeah, it... Yeah. Yeah. It's an, they're, on, they're on different scales. Yes. You want to put Willow in Hufflepuff? I do. I know you do. Yeah, I... <laughs> She's so kind. She works hard. She believes in the best in people. She believes in like honesty. Like she's she's very like open and upfront and like yep. this is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. I don't I can I do you have an argument for another house because I don't. No. No. I appreciate that you didn't even say plants. <laughs> which also plants. Which I know is a part of it for you. <laughs> um she's she's Neville. If Neville actually was a Hufflepuff, she's got a, she's got a lot of Neville in her. She does. Well, I mean, like she's she she and Neville have a lot of overlapping. There is a lot of similarities, but where Neville like is definitely a Gryffindor, I think she skews more of towards that Hufflepuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not to say that she isn't brave. Oh yeah, and like very gung ho and like sports. Yeah, um, because there is a lot of that, but I think at her core, the Hufflepuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's I can't. Fine. I can't define exactly which quality it is. That's okay. But Hufflepuff. Let's talk about Gus Porter. Gus is a child prodigy. He's a very little boy. He's younger than the rest of them. Although he his I, his voice does break between seasons. Yeah. I forget if that's because it was the actor. It's probably because the actor. Yeah. I, yeah. Which is great. I like that though. Oh yeah. I like it. I think they make it put in a joke. A joke about how witch puberty is a lot quicker than for humans or something. <laughs> he is an illusion magic person. He does illusion magic. And he's very, very good at it. Yeah. For a while, people really looked down on him for doing illusions. Like, oh, illusions are lame magic. Like, that's not real. You can't do anything like, with that. Yeah. Turns out you can do a lot with it. And the show makes a really good, like, especially throughout season two, like, makes a big deal about all he can do with it and how powerful he is with it. And all of the really cool ways, like, mm-hmm. the really cool things that they, they use it for. Yeah. It's cleverly well done. It's very good. Gus is also a human enthusiast. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. He has the human fan club or whatever yeah. it was in season one. And, like, he's like, oh, Lucy, you're a human. I can bring you to my club and show you everyone. Look. This is a real human. <laughs> and we, she can explain to us all these things that we assume are wrong. 
like he's got a he, he's got a kind of aerial mm, vibe yeah, yeah. for appreciating humans and completely misunderstanding everything about them. Yeah, yeah, this is a classic. Yeah, it's great. But he loves it. and He's passionate, enthusiastic, and yeah, he can do some trippy mind stuff. Yeah, great whole like landscapes. It kind of feels fitting, but I can't remember as many individual plots for him, especially early on. He has less individual stuff going on, yeah. I think. He gets a rival from another school for a while who transfers. Mm. He's got that episode with Hunter. Yeah, that's that was what I was going like to get big... to. Like, mid-season two, yeah. mid-late season two, he's got... Yeah, he finds Hunter has been hiding out at the school, and at first he's very suspicious of him because he knows he's the Golden Guard and he works for the Emperor. But then, like... He kind of very quickly opens up to me. He's like, okay, you've got some problems going on. Also, I see you've been eating nothing but junk food for a while. Here, just take this lunch. You, like, you're going to kill <laughs> you yourself. Need sustenance. And, like, that small action is enough to get... Hunter on his side. Hunter, like, defends him. Yeah, Hunter, like, just, just saves him teams later. up and then they become allies. And that's, that's enough for then the rest of the school to begin to trust Ye. Hunter as well. Ugh. And they have, like, some really nice bonding moments. Yeah. Uh, uh, that episode has this really nice thing where they get paralleled in a really fun way. Mm. Where early on... well, In no, the flashback. Not only that. That, oh. that wasn't the exact sample, but it, it's multiple things. Okay. One of them is, like, the, this flashback where Gus is having... A panic like, attack. Like, a panic attack, and then Hunter has a similar thing and Gus helps him out of it the way yeah. that Willow had helped him and then later Teaches him the breathing trick Hunter and takes him out of another panic attack yeah. and it goes back and forth also w Willow knows she can trust Hunter because Hunter mentions that Gus taught him the breathing trick yes and then the other thing that's that I, I think is fun is that early in the episode Gus spots that something's an illusion mm, oh yeah yeah Um, he points out like, like hold on like everyone stop like this isn't yeah, the... That's not real. Uh, the, the, the coven head that's up on stage is an illusion. And, like, realizing... Because he, he doesn't just see through one person or whatever. He sees through an entire team, the most elite illusion witches in all the Boiling Isles mm -hmm. working together to put this one illusion together. He sees through that. And then later in that episode, um, there's an illusion of Willow mm -hmm. and Hunter sees through it because he knows Willow because they kind of got a thing going they, they, down they kind of got a thing he, there's, there's, some little, there's, there's, there's some plushies there's some plushies there's a little hint um and like uh Gus like doesn't question that mm -hmm. like he just it, it he doesn't notice at the time but uh, yeah. Hunter's the one that catches it and so like it, it feels like they're on very similar footing mm -hmm. um like through that whole episode it's great yeah it's very good um and they have similar sort of backstories I know we're not talking about Hunter yet yeah. Um, but it's relevant. It, yeah, like him and Gus are like they're prodigies. They're young and they've been raised to be in you know a higher position than they're probably ready for, and they have a lot of expectations put on them, mm -hmm. and they're expected to be great and in control all the time when maybe they're not. And yeah, like they just have very similar, yeah, very similar stuff going on, even despite being from very different worlds. Gus is a Ravenclaw. Oh yeah, Gus is a Ravenclaw. He's the big, he's the nerdiest nerdy nerdy one, yeah. and he loves his learning and his schooling, and he loves his friends and everything too. But he's 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 the big nerd. He likes the research. He likes he likes to understand and to learn, and he's just he's passionate about it, and excited yeah. for it. Yeah, 
Yeah. Also, something about illusion magic just reads Ravenclaw. <laughs> it's a it's a very mental skill. It is, yeah. It, it's a lot of brain work. Yeah. Let's talk about the big one. Let's talk about Amity Blight. Amity. Amity Blight. Whoa. Amity introduced as introduced as the popular mean girl school bully. An impression that lasts for like an episode and a half. Yeah. Of her being introduced. Because like very quickly, Luce like discovers that she loves this like book series oh that's not it that's not the first thing though that, that's after a couple episodes is it what's the first thing that tips you off that she's yeah. a big dork well so in so the first episode she's just well at school billion does whatever yeah the next episode we see her in is when it's the cover it's some co- coven fair thing or whatever mm. and willow and amity end up being pitted against each other uh. and then like either trying to get loose to cheat or whatever and amity's basically embarrassed and taken out of it and Luce and Amity go and, like, find quiet space and talk to each other, and Luce shows Amity what she can do, and blah, blah, blah. And, like, they, they there's just a, an inkling of a beginning of a friendship there, like, of Amity yeah, realising yeah, yeah. you're not just a... Like, also, stop being a little bit racist. You're not just some human or whatever. You're not weak and useless. You're... you're yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you get the library stuff. Yeah, and then it turns out Oh, she's a huge dork, and she reads the same dorky fantasy books as Luce Despite does. Despite living in a fantasy world. Don't worry about it. <laughs> like, why are you reading these books? Your ro- own world is mu- more magical than these books are. It's escapism. <laughs> That's fair. She has a lot to escape from. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out she's a huge dork. And just becomes friends with Luce, and like, like, yes, we can have a book club, but don't tell anyone about it, okay? <laughs> and also she's got these two older twin siblings who like to tease and make fun of her, who Luce also has a bi-panic about. <laughs> Valid. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> what is it? It's all about characters with green hair, man. <laughs> I would like to know that Alex did not have a bi panic about any of the characters in the show who are children. Oh, no, 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 no. I just like green hair. Amity's <laughs> <laughs> siblings stop giving us such a hard time. and Yeah. They, like, when they're introduced, they're kind of over the top with how mean they are. And, like, they yeah. still tease her later, but it gets a lot lesser when they very much unite together. Yeah. Against the world around them. I think part of it is because... Um... Amity is a little bit antagonistic towards them as well. Yeah. So there, there's kind of some pushback there. Like... Yeah. But, like, they were really mean at first. Yeah, that's fair. Amity and Luz become friends, and then we've got to address the fact that Amity's bullied Willow for years. And, yeah, we learn through memories that Amity was coerced by her parents into being mean, or to at least withdrawing from Willow because they were wasn't appropriate and they they were gonna ruin Willow's life or something. Yeah. So she's trying to protect her and she like she ended up cleaking up with the mean girls and kinda just like she adopted that that persona to fit in essentially and it kinda just took over and I think she, I think to an extent she forgot their childhood friendship and forgot that yeah. she could be nice. And that like it changed her. Yeah. There's also Grom <laughs> the whole thing where she's like supposed to, it's a whole thing, it's like prom but it's not and she wanted to ask it Luce and she was feeling shy and nervous about it and then like at, near the end of the episode Luce realizes oh Amity your fear was that you, like getting rejected for Grom well, that's okay what if I'm your Grom date and you don't have to worry about it and it's like that's what she wanted in the first place <laughs> and they had this whole beautifully animated dance sequence it was very good oh uh, and I just I just want to talk about the Grudge Beams a little bit just a little bit because there's a whole thing with Grudge Beams which is a sport it's, oh the like it, it's a mockery of Quidditch but it, and <laughs> whatever and then <laughs> 
Amity's so gay. She is. That episode, more than any other, it's so good. The, the blushies at the thought of, what is it, you, you and me? You, you and me, running around in cute little shorts, playing sports. You love this. Sweating? Sweating? I gotta go. Girl. And then she ends up breaking her leg, which is just an excuse to have her out of the finale. But then, like, Luce picks her up, like, whoop. Oh, wow. Sports. <laughs> Yeah, she's like she's big into loose. Yeah, like she she's completely broken at that point. Like earlier on in the season, they had blood little blushies, but from that point on, whenever Amity gets blushies, her entire face goes red. Like they take blushies to the logical extreme. And then season two, here's the thing: oh, it's a cute little gay couple in a cartoon. They're not gonna do anything with that. Maybe in the finale, they'll hold hands. No, wrong. Season <laughs> two, friends. season two, they get a great episode and everyone gets a whole thing. And most importantly of all, Luce and Amity ask each other out and they use words like GF and girlfriend. And then in like the penultimate episode, they get an on-screen kiss. Yeah. Again, beautifully animated it's where they so pay pretty. the extra budget and they and they get they do a kiss on a Disney cartoon. They do a kiss. And shockingly, Disney's practically cancelled the show. Who could have seen it coming? <laughs> but Dana Terrace gave us so much. Happy fucking pride. Bless you, Dana Terrace. <sighs> anyway, something about that might have something to do with Amity's personality. I don't know. More importantly, she's gay. <laughs> <laughs> personality is gay. Which is the gayest Hogwarts house? Uh, huh. Depends on who you ask, I think. Yeah. The gayest... Harry Potter character. Well, is Harry all wizards Potter. are gay. Harry Potter is canonically gay though, because he obsesses over how pretty all the boys are. He's, he's bi. Fine. Yeah. He barely cares about girls. <laughs> he he's attracted to Cho Chang and Ginny. You know what? He's he um. He's attracted to Quidditch players exclusively. Bisexual, homo romantic. <laughs> you don't think he's romantically interested in? Do you think he was okay. romantically interested in Cho Chang? You know what? That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> and how? what was his interest in Ginny? The beast roaring up inside him? <laughs> she played Quidditch, so she was yeah, strong. Yeah, he likes the Quidditch muscles. He wants them to hold him while they fuck. Whereas Cedric Diggory... Has pretty eyes. He wants to hold him while they... Like, like, just take a sensual bath together. Yeah, or just lay in front of a, a crackling fireplace or a boat <laughs> ride, a summer picnic. <laughs> and don't get me started on Draco Malfoy. <laughs> Amity is Amity. ambitious. She wants to be the. I think she might be Slytherin. She wants. Mm. She wants to achieve the best. Does she, or is that what her parents want her to be? <sighs> well. She wants to achieve the best her way. She wants to be an mm. ultimate fighting person. That's true, yeah. At one point. She, she, she wants to win the, the, the bash. Yeah, well, she like she wants to follow in her dad's footsteps and have a thing in common with her dad. And, yeah. Yeah, like, I think she has ambitious energy and it's, like, it's just whatever she's funneling it into. Whereas Luce, her focus is split among a million different things. Amity hyper-focuses hard. Mm, yeah. And so, like... Initially, we're introduced, and she is channeling her best energy to be the best student and the best abomination person, whatever, and da 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 da. Yeah. And to get onto the the Emperor's Coven track. Mm -hmm. And then that focus shifts, but she is still focused on being the best that she can be at what she's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her priorities move around, but she's still yeah. is ambitious in regards to whatever her goals are. Mm hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. 
like she's intelligent and she's brave and caring and whatever and uh, cunning, resourceful. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like she, she's just, she's just, she's Slytherin, I think. Sure. No, I, I, I get that. I yeah. buy that. Also, Luce would totally be into her for being a bad girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Luce has a one, an auto onesie. Yeah. I, I, like, isn't there an episode about that or something? She puts on the other onesie and says something about being a bad girl or something. <laughs> something along those lines. Probably. Gotta rewatch this show, man. It's very good. We just watched season two, but we gotta rewatch all of season one. And... Yeah. Who's after Amity? Our final main character. My favorite. My beloved. My boy. It's Hootie. I thought it was gonna be Hunter, and I was like, he's your favorite? No, it's Hootsifer. Hunter doesn't get on the main characters because I don't think he's even introduced until season two. That's fair. He's a very important character from that point, but I had to get draw the line somewhere. Yeah, I just we've already talked about him so much. Yeah, so we'll just hold over, keep all that stuff in mind, I guess. When he becomes an important part of the show, but he's not for half of it. That's fair. That's fair. Whereas Hootie Hoot's is in pretty fun. much every episode. <laughs> now, okay, she had Albert. And then she got an owl curse, and then she found an owl door demon worm thing. Whatever the hell Hootie is. No one knows what Hootie is apart from I think I I believe he's described as being a demon. Yeah. But he's clearly owl-esque. Yeah. But like everything in this world are is are demons. That's just what they call everything. Demons or witches or yeah. or the collector. Yeah. Well humans from but that. Yeah, yeah, but there aren't very many humans, so it's either like witches or demons. Yeah. It's it's a yeah, it's a very catch-all term. And, like, we've got a whole subplot about King wanting to find out where he's from and, like, find more people who are like him. Nothing about Hootie. Like, Hootie's a main character because he's very prominent and he's involved in a lot of plots, but he doesn't get the development. No. He's there. He's a doorknob. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they introduce a way for him to be able to leave the house in a backpack so they can have plots with him away from the house. And, importantly, so that in at the end of season two... When they've all left the house because like they've been attacked or whatever, Hootie can still come with them and isn't trapped at the house on his own. Yeah, because he's a really fun character. He's Alex Hirsch again. Like he's creepy. He's fucked up. He's horrifying. <laughs> he's like he's a face on the door, but he can extend with a weird tube thing, seemingly infinitely. He's a face on a tube. Also, he's a disturbingly powerful fighter. He is, like, he is the, he's the guard system for the Owl House. Yeah. Anyone tries to fuck with the Owl House, he will annihilate them. But also, like, he is an owl and he eats small rodents and yeah, stuff and, and will just... Barfs up pellets. Yeah. Everyone finds him horrifying upon, unless it's the pop part of... Well, everyone just, like, casually finds him horrifying and he doesn't mind it until it's an episode that focuses on it and he wants atten- He wants love and attention. He does, yeah. He, he likes being admired. When Lilith... Ends up moving into the Owl House temporarily because she's lost her magic and coven position and all. Mm-hmm. Lilith and Hootie become best friends. Yeah. And I really enjoy this plot. Yeah. They, like, they respect each other. Yeah. Which is great. And, like, Ho- Hootie's never had this level of love and respect before. Yeah. And so, like, he calls Lilith Lulu and she doesn't even mind it. And, she like, they have nicknames for each other and cuteness. It is cute. And when she leaves the Owl House for a while because she's going and on a journey of self-discovery she fucking like he writes her letters and explains yeah. what's going on and stuff and it's great and he quote writes her letters by bashing his face on a typewriter <laughs> which somehow works I guess <laughs> and then Lilith comes back for like like, like Hootie throws her a congratulations party on getting a new job yeah. and Hootie has organised this party yeah. and invited all her friends and it's great and it's I love it so fucking good. much 
Um, I love the way that they talk to each other. Like, they yeah. they interact with each other in a way that, like, you don't see them interact with any other character. Yeah! Like, the way that Hootie is with Lilith yeah. is, like, so different from, like, yeah. like the way he he talks to Ida or the way he talks to Luce or King yeah. or anyone. And Lilith also just, like, mellows out around Hootie. And, yeah, and Lilith is the same. She's so high-strung most yeah. of the time. And, like, the way she interacts with other characters is so different from how she interacts with, with Hootie. And it's, it's so it, fun. It is delightful. <laughs> like, yeah. Hootie also causes major developments. Hootie is responsible for Ida discovering that she can, like, talk to the owl beast and control it mm. D- responsible for king discovering his echo his his sonic blast thing mm. and responsible for Luz and amity getting up the courage to ask each other out yeah no he's he's a major player in in the plot yeah he's just also a doorknob in in the late season two stuff as well when lilith is particularly trying to worship king for being a titan and being all-powerful Hootie is the one to try and talk her around and like tr- yeah, recognize. Like, he's still just king. <laughs> he just wants to be treated normally and like yeah, like <laughs> he's surprisingly empathetic. Yeah, for like how often he's also just like extremely blunt. Yeah, and like um, uh, not uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Batshit insane. Well, no, like when you like don't <laughs> catch on to things. Dull, dense. Yeah, I guess blunt and dense yeah like that that kind of like here he is he's less aware sometimes but but when it when it's important he is he's very perceptive yeah also he really does care about everyone in the owl house he does yeah i love hootie i (laughs) like i i think most people start to accept him a bit more as time goes on yeah i found early on i found him very annoying i get that like he like he had definitely has moments of just being annoying and like a lot of people just find him creepy and that's by design very yeah, much so yeah oh that that never bothered me I just his his voice is a little bit grating is Alex Hirsch yeah <laughs> no, I'm kidding. it's Alex Hirsch purposefully doing an annoying voice <laughs> and I and that's kind of the point of Hootie is like at first he is like off-putting and abrasive and like ew what is this yeah and then like you find this. out he can beat the shit out of anyone. But then he grows on you. And it's like, uh, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, I then love- he grows. <laughs> uh, hell yeah, I, I love this bird tube. I, f- I fucking love Hootie. I think he's, he's, I really enjoy him in the show. <laughs> I have no fucking clue what house he is. Hufflepuff? Hufflepuff? I guess he's Hufflepuff. We both said it in unison, so yeah. I think it's Hufflepuff. Yeah. He's very welcoming and protective. Yeah. Everything a door should be. <laughs> oh, man. He, is, he really is just like a personified door. Because, like, what is a door? <laughs> it's welcoming. It's friendly. It's it's hospitable. But also it's protection. And yeah. it's defensive. And and it's for the people within. Yeah. Not just for anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which means it's time. It's time. It's time for the lightning bolt round. <sighs> Up first, Alex, is Emperor Bellos, a.k.a. Philip Witterbane. Uh, Emperor Bellos is the ruler of the Boiling Isles. He was originally a human that came through the door uh, as a witch hunter. It's kind of a plot twist, but you also see it coming. Yeah. We know that I think the audience figures it out before the characters yes. do is how it's designed. Um... He's, 
the bad guy. The main villain of the show. He's trying to destroy all the magic and everyone who uses magic and kill everyone. Yeah, his plans are definitely vague and shrouded at first. Because at first he's yeah. kind of like, it seems like he wants to use magic to conquer the human world. And it turns out he just wants to go back to the human world to protect them from witches. Yeah. But... Yeah. Because he's from, like, Puritan times, where yeah. like... He wants to be Witch Hunter General, a role that actually existed yeah, in that, reality. Yeah, that did exist. Doesn't anymore. No. <laughs> so, like, he's, yeah, he's from another time and doesn't quite... He's yeah. not with it. He's not with the kids. I forget times. what was going on with him initially, but I guess he was also a scholar at one point. And... That makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Um... He does, like, learn how to use magic and stuff, so he's pretty intelligent, but I'm gonna go Slytherin yeah. for, like, a lot of, like, cunningness and manipulation. It's not that he learns... Well, I guess he does learn the glyphs, but also the Collector just gives him power. Yeah, that's a bit too. Yeah. Um, definitely Slytherin. Slytherin. Ambitious, yeah. uh, manipulative, controlling. Cares about his own, which in this case is humanity yeah. against witches. Yeah. Cunning, racist, you know. <laughs> yeah. Slytherin hallmarks. <laughs> Tell me about Lilith Clawthorne. So Lilith is, as we mentioned, Ida's sister. They were be childhood best friends, and they they grew apart later when Ida kind of went on the run, and there's the whole thing with the curse. I forget why she cursed her, but she did. And Lilith becomes head of the Emperor's Coven, and is very close to the Emperor, and, like, trying to help him and whatever, and seems very competent. Although later in season two, she's like, I'm beginning to think I wasn't very good at my job. Because <laughs> she didn't see the signs that what was happening was... Yeah. Not Fucked good. Up. She uh, wants. She wants. She's studious. She wants. Like she's a Ravenclaw. Yeah, yeah. Like she was like lied to her whole life. Basically, yeah. she fell into the the brainwash trap that everyone else did. That's there's big Slytherin energy there from like the ambition behind it, mm. but also she wants to learn and understand for the sake of learning and understanding. But also she does want to impress people. If Ida, which I think is also still Ravenclaw. Yeah, if Ida is Slytherin leading Ravenclaw, she's mm. Ravenclaw leading Slytherin. That's she's good. that other half of her sister. That's good. Alex, tell me about Hunter. I love Hunter. Ooh. <laughs> I love a villain turned friend. What could have been? Could have been a main character. But... Could have been. Um, who would have guessed that this character is one of my favorites? The villain who becomes a good guy? He was a villain? Me? Yeah. Uh, he starts out as the villain. He is the Emperor's, like, right-hand man. The Golden Guard. The Golden Guard. Uh, Very well regarded until we realize he's a, a whiny teenager. He is a whiny teenager. It's unfortunate for him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he uh, it has multiple encounters with Luce and very, you know, etc. Yeah. All the people uh, in which he is antagonistic, but then they sort of end up working together, working together or understanding in, each other, in or... different sort of situations and things yeah. in which like they have no other choice. Uh, and then eventually he learns that you know. Bellos bad. Everything that Bellos has been telling him his whole life is a lie, and uh, actually, he's he's doing lots of evil things because he, he he thought that what was happening was mm. was going to be a good thing, just like everyone else that was brainwashed. Um, so he he had no idea, and so once he realizes he's got this big turnaround slash crisis. Well, even then, not initially. At first, he just goes in hiding. He doesn't like try to become a good guy at first. Well, that's what I mean. It starts with, like, a crisis of, like, yeah. I'm going to run away and figure all this out. But and then... Then he realizes, oh, these guys are good and will help me. Like, he's not just immediately like, oh, Bellow's bad, therefore I'll go and join the other side. It's like, no, I don't think I can trust anyone. And it's like... Yeah, he's, he's, yeah. Like, he doesn't just... Not yeah. only does he not trust anyone, he doesn't trust himself. Yeah. Because he feels like, how how could I know... I didn't know this whole time. How how do I know what's right or wrong now? Mm. Um, he's got a lot of self doubt. Mm. 
Um, he's a good boy. <laughs> also, as a quick note, there's uh, like one of the biggest mi- ongoing mysteries, like st- unresolved, is that he is what was called a knight, a, a Grimwalker, 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 and we don't clear on exactly what that means, but we know that all the Golden Guards are considered Grimwalkers, and he he calls Bellos uncle, and it's supposedly like his father, I guess, would have been Grimwalker before him. It's implied that he is not a living creature in his own right. Unclear. Some kind of created clone, maybe? There is a fan theory that he may be a clone of, like, one of the latest in a long line of clones of Bellos's brother. Which would make sense for him calling him uncle. Yes. And, like, there's there's a bunch of stuff to support that. One thing that I thought was particularly interesting, I didn't quite catch it at first, in... The fi- in the big final fight with Monster Bellows, mm-hmm. when he- when Bellows sees Flapjack, he cu- I thought he yelled out "Kill him" or something like that. Flapjack. The the palisman. Right. Okay. That's his name. Right. Sorry, um, I forgot that. Yeah. He yells. He yells out. I, th- I believe it's Caleb. I think it's what is what I read online. Oh. And the theory is that that was the name of um, Philip's brother, and that that was Philip's brother's palisman. Because oh. of course the the. The, that palisman came from the Bat Queen who had all the discarded palismans yeah, from yeah. past users. That's the theory right now. Oh, Caleb is also the name that he used when he didn't use... Was that a fake name he used? Okay, yeah. then, yeah. Yeah. That's going to be part of it. Uh, which, you know, where did that come from? Uh-huh. Just sort of innate in you because you're a clone of someone named Caleb? Mm, maybe. Like... <laughs> Hunter's got a whole other stuff, like whole load of stuff that's going to be the focus of one of the upcoming double-length episodes. I'm sure, yeah. But for now, it's Hogwarts house. Gryffindor. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, aside from his like moral standpoint, mm-hmm. like he's doing, he, he wants to keep people safe, and he doesn't necessarily know that what he's fighting for is not that. Yeah. So he's yeah. 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 I think he and Luce have a lot of similar personality traits. Uh, tell me about Principal Bump. Hieronymus Bump. Principal Bump is the principal of Hexide School where the main characters attend. We see in flashbacks he used to be the vice principal. He is a teacher that cares and I love that in media. <laughs> gushed about it plenty. Especially in the flashback when the old principal really didn't care and was kind of a jerk. Yeah. He was great and nice. I think when he's first introduced he comes off as like ah, oh, stereotypical mean principal. Yes. <laughs> but I don't think that's ever who he is. Again, no. the flashbacks we see he was always kind and caring and like really supportive of Ida when she was there as well. Partly mm-hmm. because he was kind of blackmailed into it but also just in general really liked it like in that episode he says like Edelin I'm so proud of you also I'm probably fired and you're expelled but I'm so proud of you yeah like he he cares about doing what's right not what's legally correct yeah and he like recognizes that she's very skilled and that she needs support (laughs) for D&D terms he's chaotic good not lawful good yeah or lawful evil whatever yeah and he like is kind of strictly going against... Oh, yeah. When Lou shows up, he allows the multi... It, it takes a while to bring him around, but he allows the multi-track thing, and like they point out that that is against what the Emperor says. And he's just like, eh, fuck it. And then later on, when uh, Emperor's co- a coven head shows up, to, like, saying, yeah, the Emperor's trying to give you all sigils, like, it, he's in on the plan to try and prevent that first the fake plan and then the real plan and he fights against the coven scouts and then he's like turns out the mask on his head is his palisman I didn't think I realised that maybe it came up earlier I think we've seen that before probably regardless and then he just goes into a fucking badass action battle pose and he's great he's gonna protect his kids yeah yeah 
But I'm going Ravenclaw. Oh, yeah. Like, you, yeah. He's a good teacher and he believes in education and learning. And, yeah. Yeah. And he believes in kids' rights against the man. <laughs> and, like, um, what's, what's the word for when you're, like, a good parent? Nurturing? Yeah, sure. I guess? Yeah. Uh, Supportive. Yeah, like he's he's got good kid he, skills. I don't. <laughs> he he. Pay no attention to the detention track. Uh, he's he's just he's got the right. He's what you want to see in a teacher. Yes, and I love it. Alex, tell me about Kiki Mora. Uh, Kiki Mora is another one of the high-ranking guards. Is she attached to a to a, a coven? Well, a she coven? must be attached to a coven. I, well, she's probably attached to the Empress Coven. Is she? But she's not the leader. Well, is she? Does she become? She a leader? probably takes over as coven head at the beginning of season two. I don't remember her exact storyline. I do yeah. remember her. Yeah. She's always trying to get ahead and prove herself, mm. and like she wants the emperor to think that she's as good as she thinks she is, yeah. and like she wants to be impressive. Um, we get one episode where like she was she's seen on a phone call with her family and seems to care about them, and like tries to work with Lewis and co and then immediately betrays that and just, like yeah I don't give a shit about my family because she hears that she would get a, a promotion yeah. should she forfeit them finally in the final episode when Bellows has openly like said she's terrible he, like she turns against him she's but... like put in all of this effort to impress him and he turns around and is like I don't give a shit yeah and she's like well, fuck you I, I'm fucking racist against you I, at the end there, where she's sort of turned against Bellos, I don't mm. think it's necessarily be for a moral reason. Oh, no. It's just because, like, she has been betrayed. Yeah. So, therefore, she is going to betray him. Oh, yeah. She's Slytherin. Yeah. Like, absolutely. For sure. Uh, tell me about Emma Blight. Emma Blight is one of Amity's older twin siblings. The girl one. <laughs> like, they have big Fred and George energy. They do. That's more an Edric thing, but it's still her, especially early on. Um, she teases and mocks her sister and like like warms up to Luz very quickly and like yeah. has fun with that and like did she do multiple tracks? I don't I believe she does I know the brother does I think Edric does but like we don't learn her track until late in season 2 where she's on the healing track yeah we. I know that she does healing magic and she's, yeah. she is great like in in fights and stuff yeah. she's constantly like oh you're hurt I'm here yeah like she's great she's the cleric she's the cleric <laughs> um but I don't believe, yeah, I don't believe she's on multiple tracks, and I don't believe we learn that early on. She's the more competent one. She she also kind of like teases Ed a little bit because mm. he's kind of a, a doof. Sure. Um, they kind of just want to have fun, and like, I think I think they're not like they're not as high achieving as Amity is. Yes. So their parents kind of overlook them a little bit. Again, very Fred and George. Yeah. Like, they're very skilled, but because they're not doing what their parents consider um, Yeah, they're not valuable, doing exactly what the parents want. Yeah. Um, they, yeah, they're just sort of allowed to kind of goof off and do their own thing. I'm going to go Gryffindor. Yeah. Edric Blight. Edric is uh, the boy brother. Amber's twin. Yes. Uh, he, he's he's a little bit less put together. Yeah, he's a bit goofier. He's a bit goofier. Um. There's an episode where they, they've got, like, illusion, yeah. like, sort of pendants or whatever that, like, make them look nicer than they are. Yeah. And um, when Emera takes hers off, she looks pretty much the same. She's just got more acne. Mm. Um, 
Uh, Edric takes his off, and he's, like, wearing, like, sweatpants and a comfy t-shirt. Like, he's got, like, this headband on, and he's got glasses. Like, he's just, like, in his, like, lounge clothes. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, you're just pretending that you're put together. You're really just kind of... You're you're a teenage boy. Yeah. Like... (laughs) He He sells King fireworks one time, and King's like, wait, are these legal... Would that make you more or less interested? <laughs> and again, very Fred and George. He has a um, fun episode where he bonds with King and Ida and like tries to help them out. Yeah. And he, he just he wants to be seen as competent. Because it, a lot of like, his sister sort of takes over, overshadows him in competentness. Yeah. And the way their family tends to value that sort of stuff, yeah. he is seen as not great. From Ida's perspective, yeah, he, it's unconventional and unorthodox. But she thinks he's great. Yeah. And that's what he needed. Yeah, yeah, it's very good. Um, he does a split track, so, like, he's learning multiple things, um, which is, like, it, that's very cool. I, I think he's in the same... I think he's the same house as the sister, though. I think yeah. also Gryffindor. Yeah, that's fine. Tell me about Odalia Blight. Odalia Blight is the Blight family mother matriarch. We don't see it... We don't actually meet her in season one, but we get a lot of impression from her for how she's raised Amity. Do we not? In, like, not even any of the flashbacks? Only in the shadow. We only see, like, her silhouette. Oh. Yeah, we only meet her properly in season two. I believe we meet her when she, we go to her, her, um, I think Luz goes to her house at first and then, like, goes to the showcase yeah. for the abominations. She is big-time capitalist. The most capitalist character in the show. She ma- She uses her husband to make abominations and sells them to the Emperor and doesn't care what they're used for. She's aware of the Emperor's evil plans and doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Even though she... Well, she knows it's evil. She doesn't... Re- she clearly doesn't fully understand it. She doesn't she, know the scope. She yeah. thinks she and her family will get to rise above everyone. It's like, no, he wants to murder you. Yeah. Well, that's what all of the coven heads were told. Were like, side with me. And then, you know, after the draining spell and everything, yeah. like, you will be royalty and yeah. she's she's fallen for that because she wants she wants that she wants money yeah is the thing yeah she emotionally manipulates and abuses her children and her husband she sucks and she's a slytherin she's a villain she cares about getting ahead at the expense of anyone and everything around her she's absolutely slytherin tell me about alador blight alador is the blight family patriarch mm-hmm. uh he does the science yeah he's the engineer the technical mind yeah he's the one creating all of the stuff and he kind of just gets pushed around by his wife and yeah. is forced to like do whatever she, she tells him yeah. um but he seems he seems like someone who like he he loves his kids yeah like he loves his family he needs his eyes opened up to it a bit and like he yeah. like he neglected them and like he just like decided what he thought he knew what they wanted when they were children and just rolled with that he also kind of was brainwashed in a similar way to his wife was mostly like by his wife like his wife constantly telling him like this is for the best like this is for our family yeah. this is you know this is this is for the best and he just doesn't really question that for mm-hmm. a long time he just sort of falls into this routine of yeah I'll do what she says I'll make the things he's working so hard that he's not taking the time to question anything mm-hmm. Um, but he makes the right calls in the end, and he blows yeah. up his own factory in a badass yeah, scene. Yeah, he does. And he's great. Uh, House. Ravenclaw. Yeah. Yeah. All right, tell me about Camilla Nasida. Camilla Nasida is Luce's mother from Connecticut, the human realm. We don't see her much. She's only in, like, three or four episodes, really. Mm. We hear plenty about her in background. We see, we do. I guess we do see little clips of her, often yeah. silent, at the beginning and ends of episodes sometimes. Um... 
she is a loving, supportive mother who doesn't really get her kid. Yeah. Like, her, her kid's a teenage weirdo. Yeah. She likes anime, and and in the first episode, she sends Luce to a camp because, like, the school counsellors recommended it or something because Luce is kind of out of control. She's got ADHD. Yeah, she really does. <laughs> and she's, like, not being appropriately Supported. accommodated for. Yeah. yeah. And Camilla does the best she can to help. Luce ends up escaping to the... the, to, the, the Escaping from what should have been her trip to... Camp. Camp, yeah. But yeah, her next major appearance is an episode where Luce is trying to contact the human realm and discovers that there is a copy of her living in her home. So her mother hasn't had cause to worry or question anything for a while. And Luce ends up actually making friends with this copy of herself because like she raises, oh, you're not, you're not being unkind or whatever. We can actually help each other out. I'm here doing this stuff. You're there pretending to be me. My mother doesn't need to know. And you can just carry on living there. It's fine. Like you're not, you're not antagonistic, and like you're just a scared kid. Yeah. To another character, um, and Camilla ends up. What Camilla ends up does learning the truth. Initially, very skeptical because she doesn't believe in monsters in another realm or whatever. Naturally. Yeah. But the moment she finds out it's all true, she is fully supportive of V, the kid who's been living with her. <laughs> her new demon child. Yeah. But also she's devastated and distraught she's like she hides it very well in the moment until she can talk to Luz one on one and be like I am freaking out about you being in this other realm like just promise me you'll come home and you'll stay here with me and forces Luz to run this and that's the whole thing and then she shows up at the end of season two and she just she cares about her kids she wants like obviously she wants Luz to come home and, and be safe yeah. and not be in another dimension like any I think any parent would want yeah. that she's a loving supporting single parent in she's uh, she's realistically written right yeah like, yeah. like Luce is all she has yeah the, it's kind it kind of comes off in a way of being like oh no she's being unreasonable because we're on Luce's side and we see her perspective yeah and but, but I, I do not fault her at all no of course not and she's, she's also took in this lizard person thing <laughs> and accepted her as part of her family now. She's a, also a single parent. She's a whole flashback thing. Uh, yeah. Hufflepuff. Yeah. Caring, loving, supporting, hardworking, doing the best she damn well can. Hardworking. I believe she's a nurse too. That's probably correct. <laughs> Alex, tell me about V. V is the uh, aforementioned lizard shapeshifter person who has taken Luce's place mm -hmm. in our world. Uh, she, I can't, I can't quite remember what her backstory was. Uh, she was like raised by as a clone by Bellows or something, and had to escape. She was a clone of like an extinct species or something. Oh, okay, so she's like a failed Grimwalker or something, huh? Maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't matter that much. I'm sure we'll, we'll get more from her in season three. Yeah. Um, she escapes to the human world and she just she just wants somewhere that she can live, somewhere yeah. where she can be safe, somewhere where she's not going to be probed and prodded and tested. And Conveniently, here's this loose-shaped hole she can fill. Yeah, so, you know, she slips into that as a way of, like, protecting herself. And she doesn't mean to cause any harm. Yeah. And it, yeah. In a really interesting story beat, at first she kind she's mad at Luce and she's she resents her because Luce had a perfect, calm, happy life at home and she gave it all up and she threw it away. Yeah. Because like Luce wanted ad adventure and like the grass is always greener, right? Yeah, yeah. It's she's a, like, it's why a, would you leave your wonderful mother who is like so kind? Yeah. It's a it's a really good story beat. 
It's very good. Um, she's probably a Hufflepuff. Sure. Uh, tell me about Professor Homunculus. Professor Herm... Hermunculus. Hermunculus. Like Herman, but Humunculus. He's the professor of the Abomination track at Hexide. He's quite small and often carried around by his own abomination. Oh, that one. Yeah, the professor. He's... he's in his introductory episode in particular, he's kind of the Snape analogue. Mm. He's the Snape to Amity's Malfoy in that episode. Sure. He's the professor, although he's very much, like, when Amity's, oh, when Willow starts seeming to show any skill. Yeah, Because yeah, Luce yeah. is faking being an abomination, he's all for it. But he's he's kind of just a teacher who's there. He's, he's a <laughs> Ravenclaw. Alex, tell me about Bosha. Uh, Bosha is Amity's best friend mean girl. Initially, be- yeah. Before she sort of when, realizes, hey, yeah. you're super mean, and they have sort of a falling out as yeah. she... Well, when, it's not even that. It's more that just Amity starts like, opening up to Luce and the others, and so yeah. Bosha's like, what the fuck? You can't be friends with them and us. Yeah. And so Bosha just takes over as head mean girl. Yeah, because she's much more clicky than... Yeah. Also, Am- she's actually just a mean person. Yeah, she is. She is just kind of mean. Uh, she plays on the Grudgeby team, doesn't she? Yeah. yeah. She's very aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, probably Slytherin. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about Maddie. Maddie is Gus's rival from another school who's on the construction cl- track, and he ends up transferring to the school, and he's in a detention with them, and then he's, he's around. He's kind of a weenie. <laughs> like... He sort like he initially tries to pretend he's like he knows more about humans than Gus, and that's the whole thing. He's just kind of a weenie, is the thing. He, he does end up doing multiple tracks, though. Yes, and he kind of becomes friends with them a little bit at ish. But also, the first sign of tri- like trouble from being on two tracks when he thinks that when he thinks the Coven heads are going to try and stop them, he like rips off the sleeves to be like, "Yeah, I'm only doing one track." <laughs> like, I a- thought that was because he was disappointed. Like, dang it, I just got these. Now I can't have them. Maybe I read it as him trying to, like, just save face and look good. Oh. <laughs> Regardless, he's kind of a weenie. I'm going to put him in Slytherin. That's fair. The, the weenie side of Slytherin. As I put these two together, tell me about Viney and Gerbo. Viney and Gerbo are two of the other kids that we meet in detention. Yeah. Uh, we also see them playing... Flying Derby. Flying Derby. On opposite teams. Yeah, Viney, Viney joins Willow's team and also has a big old bird thing. Yeah. And Gerbo joins the teacher's team and they are mortal enemies now. Yeah. <laughs> but also, like, they were friends. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a friendly rivalry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hogwarts House is... Gryffindor and Hufflepuff, respectively. Cool. Tell me about the Bat Queen. The Bat Queen is a giant former palisman who now uh, looks after other former discarded palismans. She was a palisman for a giant. Yes. Which is why she's so big. Doesn't explain why she can talk, but hey. And she's a friend. She's friendly with Ida because Ida's helped her out in the past. And she like, but more more than anything, she looks after her palismans and protects them. And what's the best for them? I'm gonna go Slytherin. I think she's the good, cool, protective kind of yeah, Slytherin. Yeah, I think you're right. Alex, tell me about Albert. Albert is Ida's palisman. He's a little owl staff that turns into a guy and you can fly on him. Yep. Um, Hogwarts house. Ravenclaw? <laughs> okay. Bird. <laughs> <laughs> tell me about Flapjack. Flapjack is a little one-eyed red cardinal palisman that latches onto a hunter after they, they meet in in Flapjack's debut episode <laughs> all about the Palismans and like just tries to be with Hunter and like thinks yeah Hunter you'll be my partner now which I'm just realizing oh that's because he's a clone of his former partner yes. good fucking grief yes um <laughs> 
And Unconfirmed theory, but yes. Hunter, like, is like, no, get away from me, stupid bird. And it's, un- like, partly because he's been told that palismans are bad and whatever and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. They're part of wild magic. But also because Bellows eats palismans. He cracks yes. them open and drinks their essence. So I'm friggin' messed up. I think he had a palisman at one point that Bellows had taken. Possibly. I think we see that in a flashback, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, so he's like, no, I, I can't have another palisman. Go away. Yeah. But, but pa- Flapjack is incredibly loyal and sticks with him. He's a Hufflepuff. He stays with his boy. He's a good burb. And sticks out, looks out for him. And, like, when the world turns against Hunter, because Hunter does eventually accept him and calls him Flapjack. Yeah. And, like, Hunter, like, when Hunter gets trapped inside Bellows' mindscape, He's just he just wants to know Flapjack's okay and Flapjack sticks with him is the only one who sticks with him when he's on his own. Yeah. Loyal friend. Alex, tell me about Rain Whispers. Rain is the head of the Bard Coven. They are cool as heck. <laughs> they are also the leader of the Bards Against the Throne. The Bats. And later, the Covens Against the Throne. The Cats. <laughs> They've got a flair for the dramatic, which makes sense because they're a bard. Uh, but also, so they're, they're the head of the cover, but they're undercover. They're undercover because that's how they're going to take down the system from within. Yeah. Childhood friends with Ida. Childhood friends with Ida. Once romantic partner to Ida. Maybe again. They, they clearly still have feelings for each other mm-hmm. uh, on both sides of that. Um... What house is Rebel Bard? That's hard. Because <laughs> on the one hand, I want to say that they're a Ravenclaw. Uh-huh. But the, the Rebel aspect has like a, a pretty strong Gryffindor leaning, I feel like. You could be a Rebel and still be a Ravenclaw. That's fair. I'm going to say I'm gonna say Rain is a Ravenclaw. Cool. Creative. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about Darius. Darius is the head of the Abomination Coven. And we see him a few times in it earlier. And he, like, he, he's kind of just there. Um... Like, He's antagonistic uh, to Rain in particular. Is he? Yeah, he tries to like. I don't remember. He the, discovers no. Rain and the Bards against the Coven. The, co- the, uh, the the throne. The throne. Yeah. Um, and they have a fight. Okay. Rain, Which is mentioned later on. Yeah. Yeah, Rain and Darius have a fight. Hmm. Darius is also antagonistic towards Hunter as the Golden Guard, and be like, "Yes. Oh, yeah, whatever. Go and find some recruits for the Emperor's Coven or whatever, and then." At the end of the episode, when Hunter stands up to Darius and is like, yeah, and helps him escape, Darius is like, yeah, fuck yeah, like, stick it to me. Like, it, it's about time he had a life outside the, the palace. And yeah. At first, it just seems like he's kind, he's just kind of cool and chill. And But then later we learn it's because he is actually, like, yeah. a coven head against the throne. Yeah. And, like, the reason he fought um, Rain so hard is so that he he could protect Rain from being brainwashed and continue to rebel yeah. and helps lead the group in Which the Which is rebe- very good. He's he's very uh, good at hiding yes. his true intentions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he comes off as just like too chill to care Yeah, when really he's like fighting from the inside. I'm gonna go with Gryffindor. I like that. Alex, tell me about Te- Terra Snapdragon. Terra Snapdragon is the head of the Plant Coven? Yeah. That's what they call it? That's gotta have a better name than Plant Coven, but... Yeah. They do plant magic. They do plant magic. I, that's fair. Um, she is wholeheartedly in favor of the Emperor's shenanigans. Mm-hmm. She wants to do the thing, but she thinks that she will become royalty yeah. after it. She doesn't realize that she's going to die as a result. Also, she's in charge of 
supposedly brainwashing Rain. Mm -hmm. Rain was in on it, so made sure it didn't happen. But like, she she was she was doing it. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. As far as she knows, she's she's doing a brainwash and keeping him. Also, in a flashback, she was fucking insane and wanted to make children murder each other. Yeah, she's a little unhinged. Yeah, like Hogwarts house. When we first meet, she's she's like older. Yes. um, For the majority of the show, not in the flashback, but uh, she's unhinged grandma. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Slytherin. Yeah? Yeah. She she wants that power for herself. Um, tell me about Steve. Steve is great. It's a name that's chosen just because it's kind of a funny out there name. And he probably wasn't intended to originally be a character, but yeah. really became a character. He was a coven guard. He worked directly for Lilith. And he was kind of just around. But after Lilith leaves the, co- the coven, he's still friends with Lilith and like comes to her congratulations party for getting a new job and yeah. just friendly and becomes a biker rebel I guess yeah and like hangs in one of like when King's kind of trying to find his new identity now that he knows he's a titan he they go on adventures together on, on his bike and they go around helping people and just, just chill him. just very chill. Still wearing his covered scout mask, but yeah. otherwise biker gear. But then he takes off the mask and he's a guy and he's cool. And he's part of the rebellion. I like Steve. I like Steve too. I'm going to go Hufflepuff because he's loyal to his moral values and yeah, his friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's loyal, but also like he's got that morality to he, yeah. him. Yeah, he's loyal, but not blindly loyal. Yeah. Love Alex, that. Love tell that. me about The Collector. The Collector for a long time was... Like a mysterious. Not even a long time. We not never, even that long. We didn't time. hear that name until more than halfway through season yeah, two. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, the collector is a powerful being. A child of the stars mm. is something they describe him as. Uh, and a child. Literally a child. Like uh, playing games. At least in mindset. Yeah. Who knows how old this being is? Or how old it could become? Yeah. Um. But very childlike in mindset, wants to play, wants yeah. to experience things and have fun, and it has been trapped in like this mirror disc thing yeah. um, for a long time. Well, Bellas used some magic that he got from the collector. Bellas promised the collector that he would free the collector from this mirror if the collector first helped him make the day of unity happen so he could destroy yes. all magic. Bellas was blatantly lying because he just like he hates magic and like doesn't want to free this kid because he'll be more powerful than him and could easily just take him down and whatever. Yeah. And so he just betrays him at the end. But King can release him. Yeah. Because King is a Titan. Did we mention that when we talked about King? Yeah. Okay. King's a Titan. Yeah. Uh, a tiny Titan. Tiny Titan. As but he's got like a chaotic energy. Oh yeah. Like could potentially be very dangerous, yeah. but I don't know if we know quite yet if he is going to be an antagonist or I think so. You think so? I think they're going to have to take him down cuz like cuz he he'll just do whatever he wants. He wants to play. He's like tearing apart reality That's to make true. his game yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah. And like like the moment he's out, he's like, "I rem- you you said you were going to let me out, but you didn't. Let's play hide and seek again. I'll give you a head start." And just flicks Bellows and yeah, splats him, and he's just a pile of goo now. And Bellows is clearly not dead; he's slowly coming back, yeah, but appears something. to be a dead pile of goop, yeah. murdered by this horrifying child. And then these preteens and teenagers have to be have to act like they're cool with it, so they also don't die. Yeah, I think you're right. He probably is going to be like the the big bad end game boss. Yeah, the, the final antagonist after yeah. Bellows. Oh, do you think they're gonna have to try and bring Philip back to team up with him? No. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I could see it. Eh, um, you know, shows love to do that. They have their main antagonist who, like, but who. I think Bellows is too evil. Yeah. I don't think they they're gonna redeem him. He's too far gone. Yeah. 
This is a hard one to sort. First of all, because we don't know very much about this kid yet. All we really know is he likes to play. Gryffindor? I guess. Sure. Why not? Uh, and finally, JD, will you tell me about Tanella Tiny Nose Nosa? She has a name? She's had a name this whole time? She's had a name this whole time. Tiny Nose is introduced in the first episode. It's just a little nose demon she's thing. It's a little nose. You know why she's got that design? It's a it's Dana Terrace's sort of insert character. It's herself yeah. it's her a caricature of herself. Yeah. And it's voiced by Dana Terrace. Yes. Um Tiny Nose just shows up from time to time as a prisoner and a rebel and kind of a a wild child. <laughs> yeah. She's got a lot of spunk. Yeah, she works for a con artist sometimes. Sometimes she'll she'll just fight you. She she speaks with a like eroticism. She's fun. I'm gonna go Gryffindor. She's fun. She is fun. She's spunky. She is she's very spunky. Spunky's the perfect word for <laughs> And that's the Owl House Sorted. Alex, my dear darling wife. Mm-hmm. I would like to please invite you to sort it out. Okay. <laughs> uh this week I have a fairly simple one. Yeah. And it is largely inspired by the Owl House because the magic fights in the Owl House mm-hmm. are so cool. Yeah, they're choreographed and they're so cool to watch they're so dynamic there's like so many different things going on and so many different ways to like cast spells and have stuff happen i think it's i think it's also interesting that the fact that they have their single branch of magic does mean that like everyone has a specialist focus which like kind of adds to it means you get more creative yeah Uh, creativity breeds with um uh uh, restrictions restrictions. that's that's what i was yeah yeah that's the one. And I do think that that's part of it. But it's also, like, very fun just to, to watch the fights. Yeah. So what if in Harry Potter, mm. instead of fucking just... Laser beams? Pointing sticks at each other and shooting lights, like the world's lamest firework show, uh-huh. it was cool. So this is more about the movies and the books. Oh, uh, sure, yeah. Like, it, it's kind of a thing in the books, but, like, like it, it's a visual thing. Yes. And I, th- I think that is part of it. Like, the, the Owl House is created as a visual medium and Harry yes. Potter is just adapting what was there and whatever. Yes, but even in the books, like, you could describe it. Oh, yeah, yeah. As much cooler than it is. To be fair, they sometimes are. Then, then you get... They sometimes are cooler than in the movies. Like, Dumbledore and Voldemort's fight at the, or, in the Order of the Phoenix. Okay, the Ministry. Fair, yeah. That was, like, a kind of cool fight in the in the book and I think they did some interesting stuff with that in the film or whatever yeah. but the main problem is that for the films in particular they just stopped they stopped trying and they stopped following any of the rules and they yeah. just decided that every wizard battle would be priori and cantatum yeah, which, which only nothing. happened because one time because their ones shared the core and all the derb 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 and now it's just like no this is what wizard duels look like because that was easy it was easy, and it's it's an easy easy visual metaphor. Uh-huh. You don't have to try that hard. I get it. Yeah, and that's but, what all the duels in Fantastic Beasts look like. And like, what, what, yeah. what? It's like, come on, you're like a multi billion dollar company at this point. Like, yeah. can you like step it up a little bit, just like a little bit? At least as good as this Disney Channel cartoon, right? <laughs> like. One of my favorite things about cartoons as a medium in general is that they are able to do that kind of thing. Like, Avatar The Last Airbender is another show that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. That, like, as an animated show, the fights are so cool and the way in which, like, they... 
are very dynamic and they use stuff. Yeah. And they'll probably call if they ever decide to do a live action adaptation <laughs> of Avatar. I don't, I can't speak to that one, but. <laughs> yeah. Just if they do, which they mm-hmm. haven't done in the past, but yeah. if they did. Um, but it's also like, it's not just spells. Mm. It's, it's magic in general. So like Quidditch. <sighs> That that is not a fun sport to watch. Yeah, that's not a spectator sport. <laughs> Although to be fair, you want to talk about things not being spectator sports. The Tri Wizard Tournament. That's another example. That's Let's what I was... sit here and look at the lake. That's what I was gonna say next. Like you have all of these, like you can do so much cool shit with magic. Let's look at the outside of a hedge maze. Why are we? Why are we staring at nothing? <laughs> why are? Why is the dueling club like? Because they just they describe like like dueling like proper dueling. Yeah, it's, it's mentioned. Just, you point your wand at someone, you cast a spell. They point a wand at you, they <laughs> cast a spell. It's like again to defend it, I guess that's because they're children. Yes, and that's like the the proper way to do duels or whatever. Oh, that that I'm not worried about. That's because they're children and they don't know that many spells yet, especially combative spells. Mm. So for that, it's fine. That's where then. Fantastic Beasts should be showing characters who know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like. But also, in the Owl House, they're all kids. It's a different medium. Like, it is. You, I, like, know, I, I know. I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm using that as a direct comparison to show that, like, it can be done. Yeah. One thing I want to say that I would draw from Owl House and also to come back to Avatar mm. is one thing that they do to make their fights interesting is not just the magic. It's that casting their magic or bending is a full body thing it's it's like dancing yeah they make big yeah. movements like casting spells in owl house at the minimum you're making big swooping circular motions mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. something yeah. avatar is full-on choreographed martial arts uh-huh. yeah you could do something like no it's early like... on in harry potter it's a swish and flick which for a simple spell yeah so that's a beginning that's yeah, one thing yeah, for that yeah. one spell cool but they stay that simple through the whole thing if that no other spell requires any emotion we never described any emotion for other spells no pottermore did better than this for yeah. crying out like loud oh, yeah, where they had are... they had the little spell mini game where you had to draw you have to symbols trace the things. that I... was something that's, I think that's the idea behind things like Swish and Flick, is you have yeah. to like draw out the specific designs with your with your wand. Either that or either that or it's the reverse and those designs are representing how you'd be moving your wand. That's what I, how I always interpreted that. Yeah. It was like it's a it's a wand movement thing. And more complicated yeah, yeah. spells have like more intricate swishes and whatever. Wrong. More complicated spells have point and shout. More complicated spells are wandless magic that you don't <laughs> You don't even do that! Arresto momentum! You just point... A wandless magic's boring, though. Like, the I know. wands are, the, are one of the coolest things in Harry Potter. I and, know. like, the build-up to it. Like, the whole, the whole the wand chooses the wizard, and the core, and the wood, and everything with Ollivander, which is, like, a crucial part of the plot of Deathly Hallows. Uh-huh. So why would you even have wandless magic? Apart from, like, yes, children... Like, it's a ch- it should be only a thing children do. It should be uncontrolled it should be nothing it shouldn't be useful yeah yeah <sighs> no just like it could be so much cooler yeah just make even, a little even with the wands like i don't yeah. know i'm making a lot of hand motions of like cool things because you could that's be what doing. we want it to be we want it to be visual big movements of the body which yeah. like that's easy to do even in that's e- easier to do in live action than it is in animation it is because yeah. you just have the actor move yeah Easy peasy. And then you have them do interesting things with magic. Yeah. 
that's also part of it, is, like, have your magic interact with the world around it rather than just the person you're pointing it at. It reminds me of a similar problem in Green Lantern. So okay. Green Lantern, right, he has the, he has the ring that can make energy, uh-huh. and make shapes, do anything with it. Literally anything you can imagine. And nine times out of ten, he makes a big fist and punches uh-huh. a bad guy. Uh-huh. Or just makes a large object and drops it on someone. It's like, come on, you could do literally anything you can imagine. And what you can imagine is boring. Like, give me a Green Lantern who's got a freaking art degree. Yeah. Someone creative. I mean... You would think someone who is an author for a living would have a little bit of creativity, but... Just a touch. Whatever. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's how I would make Harry Potter better. Make it look cool. Make it look cooler. Interact with the environment more. Use your magic in more creative ways. And then by making it more about, like, body movements as well, and, like, whatever. But then you can do more... They could do more at the friggin' theme parks and stuff as well by having actors Uh replicate that. Uh Uh-huh. And if it's not just laser beams that point from the wands, like if it's summoning objects and items, that's the kind of thing that could potentially be done at a theme park show as well, compared to shooting a lightning bolt laser beam. Uh-huh. No, there's loads of ways that it would ha- it could be potentially much more profitable. Can oh you my imagine- gosh, Cursed Child? Yeah. Can you imagine um, officially licensed Harry Potter uh, dance classes? <laughs> oh, wow. Like. Oh, wow. Get creative, folks. <laughs> Do better. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I wonder how many martial arts studios are like learn the martial arts of Avatar: The Last Airbender. At least one. Uh, I don't. Not that I. I don't have a specific one in mind, but I know there's got to be at least one yeah. out there that's like, yeah, that's what we're doing. <laughs> and like this does largely in part apply more to the movies because they are like yeah. the, the visual medium. Um, but like I've played D and D. You can describe cool fights with yeah. just words. Okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Part of it is as well, like, you want to keep it fast-paced and moving and stuff. And I, th- like, again, the one good fight scene we got, Dumbledore vs. Voldemort in Order of the Phoenix, I think that is relatively fast-paced. So, then, like, to maintain that pace, you wouldn't want every little mo- one movement described there. No, Where yeah. you'd want the one movement described is when they're learning spells when at school. When they're learning them. And you... But we don't see them learning spells uh... very much. For a, for a series about w- learning wizard magic, which comes back to my... Previous thing about yeah. wanting more lessons and slice of life and whatever. Like, Show more of the learning, the magic, and then you can describe the movements more. And then, like, if you're consistent with that as well, then you get more kids replicating those movements uh-huh. on the playground as well. Yeah. It just and <sighs> that—that's what I'm saying. That becomes profitable. Yeah, kids don't pl- like kids play Power Rangers on the playground. Kids play all sorts of uh-huh. games based on media. Uh-huh. Kids don't play Harry Potter on the playground because there's nothing to play. It's point a stick. Yeah, that's not a fun game. No. And the kids still like Harry Potter. Yeah. But there's not a playground game to play because it's not nothing to do. I know. I'm trying to think because, like, when I was, like, a kid, I loved Harry Potter. And, yeah. like, you know, I'd find a cool stick and it would be my wand, but that would be it. That's all I would do with it. Like, people were so desperate for things to do with it that they tried to make Quidditch a real sport. Which I also... I was on a Quidditch team at one point. Yeah, but... Like, it's not fun. No. <laughs> It's not a good time. And again, Owl House has multiple sports that are more interesting, and Magic the Gathering did the same thing, because they made magic part of their sports. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Crazy concept. Like, Quidditch could be so much cooler to look at. Like, the Owl House is a great example with, like, their sports that they involve the entire terrain. Like, everything around them is part of... 
Fred and George. News. Fred and George have fucking caveman clubs. Yeah. Like what? Why is that a thing in this magical sport? They could use their ones to do the same thing. They could. <laughs> There's no reason. Ah. It's a lack of creativity. There's a reason this book was turned down twelve times. <sighs> I know it's a worldwide phenomenon and whatever, but like you yeah, know what? We like it, it, it could changed have been, our lives. It could have been better. Of course it could. That's the whole point of sorting it out. And that's how I'm sorting it out today. I I want Harry Potter to look cooler. Yeah. Do do cooler magic stuff. Wave your arms and legs and spin around. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Sorted. And thank you to the Pocket Podcast Network for hosting us. You can find other cool shows in the network, such as... Green Mountain Mysteries. Cult Classics. And our other show, Pokemakers. Thank you to Matt Majakamo of the one who we to our theme song, The House of Awesome Theme Song. And if you agree or disagree with our sorting, you can find us on Twitter, at SortedPod. You can also find us both individually. I'm at CodenameJD. And I'm at Pichu, P-T-C-H-E-W. And while you're there on Twitter, tweet at us your favorite owl. <laughs> and we'll sort it. <laughs> Just your favorite owl. Uh, but not a Harry Potter owl. They're, like those are just animals. That's nothing. It's they boring. Don't really have personality. Send us owl from Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Send us uh, name an owl. Send us the owls from Futurama. Guardians of Gahul. Is that a thing? I don't know. Owl owls? bear. Just send us your favorite owl bear. <laughs> or your favorite house. <laughs> <laughs> Your favorite owl or your favorite house? Send us your favorite magical creature that's also a person. Uh, you know, like a person that turns into a, an animal. I mean, I guess. Or like animorphs. Yeah, but what if people send us their favorite houses? Actually, that's way better. Send us your, fa- <laughs> send us your favorite houses. <laughs> Bye. Send us your house. Yeah, just like just just or just go on Google Maps and find a random house <laughs> and tweet it at us. Bye. Bye.